let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, we are live at Right Proper Brewing's Tasting Room in the Brooklyn neighborhood of Northeast DC. And so, of course, we are talking about DC's craft brewery scene. We've got Kim Bender here, the CEO of Hyrick House. And also, she is the executive director of DC's Brewers Guild. And we've got a room full of beer lovers. Hi, guys. Today is Thursday, June 8th. I'm Michael Schaefer. And I'm Bridget Todd. This is CityCast DC. being here everyone. I am Bridget. I am drinking a delicious Senate beer brewed right behind us and I'm so excited to be here with Kim Binder of Hyrick House and the DC Brewers Guild. Uh, first of all I have to say Kim when I heard that we were doing an episode about craft beer I was like oh sounds kind of bro-y I don't know and I was so pleasantly surprised to hear that we would be talking to a woman. So I have to ask what is it like to be this huge public force in craft beer, but also be a woman in this field that can feel so male-dominated? Well, I think that what I found is that even though it is male-dominated, especially in D.C., the industry is very welcoming. So the men who work in brewing are great that I've worked with. I really enjoy being part of the culture. Like, I think there's, it, it is, doesn't feel maybe as oppressive as some other places. So what was your path to it? I am a museum director to start with. So I run the higher The old museum director to brewer (laughs) revolving door. It's a totally strange path. Um, Even before museum director, I'm a lawyer. So lawyer to brewer. Very DC. Or to to beer person. I went to law school. I moved to D.C., I walked into the Hyrick House Museum, which was a, it's a house museum in DuPont Circle. If anybody hasn't been there, you should come visit us. We're a house museum. We are a beer garden that serves D.C. Brewers Guild beer. And we are the managers of the D.C. Brewers Guild, which is the association of craft beer um, in D.C. I kind of stumbled into the museum and then transformed it from a house museum about decorative arts and realizing the house museum has a history in beer. Christian Heyrich was DC's largest brewer. Started researching that history and pulling it into what we talk about every day. All right, but you copped to us before the show <laughs> that when you got this job, yeah. you were a complete beer philistine. Yes, I did not drink beer. Did you have to fake it or did you acknowledge this? <laughs> uh, Because we weren't talking about beer back then, it was pretty easy to just ignore the fact that I didn't know anything about it. And I got to learn at the same time that the house learned about its own history. So that was really cool. And that's really how I learned to love beer. (laughs) 
So someone could go from being like a complete novice to professionally working in the beer brewing space. Yes, absolutely. I think people a lot of times think about beer as like having a bud in your backyard, but there are so many different varieties of beer. Beer can taste like wine. Beer can taste chocolatey. Uh, There's actually a woman named Courtney who does work trying to get more Black people into brewing in D.C. We have the largest percentage of Black beer brands in America. Give it up for that. Um, Her trick is she always says, what's your favorite dessert? And she said, pick that. What's the flavor profile around that? And there will be a beer that matches. Peach cobbler. What do you got for me? Like a sour. Okay. Oh, let's see how that would work. Yes. Yeah. So like chocolate, a stout, um, or porter. So there's like a lot of different entry points into beer. For me, my entry point was Weinstefaner, which is an ancient sort of <laughs> German beer that still exists today. They use actually the yeast for, from Weinstefaner in your beer that you're drinking right now. Pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah. So anyone could really get into it if you're interested. Do you find yourself using the skills that you had when you were working in museums and working in law in the, the work that you're doing now with beer? Do those things overlap? For me, it does, because what I'm working to do is advocate for the craft brewers in D.C. And a lot of what I'm doing generally, both at the Hyrick House and beyond, is to advocate for small local D.C. producers. So brewers are small local D.C. producers who are practicing a craft. We also work with small producers of like jewelry and ceramics and things like that. So, yeah, I'm advocating like in front of D.C. Council and using my legal skills there. What does that look like? Like, what are the legalities around beer and craft brewing here in D.C.? That's a really <laughs> complicated question. Um, <laughs> no pressure, but five-minute yeah, answer. No big deal. So maybe I can like back up into history a little bit. You know, D.C. didn't really have a craft brewing scene until around 2011 when D.C. Brow opened. Um, they were the first production brewery to open in D.C. since the Hyrick Brewery, which closed in 1956. So that's a really long time. Before they opened, there were sets of laws about how you could open a brewery in D.C., but no one had, was here to really help formulate those laws. So those laws, most of them are still on the books. So a lot of times when people are trying to open a brewery in D.C. or still just operate within the structure of the law now, it's not quite made for what they really need. So little by little, we have to go through and like knock down, like pull out the things that aren't working. Like, you know, there people would open a brewery and then ha- find them ways to have to contort around different requirements. Um, and there are still many things that prevent local DC breweries from expanding or even like being as successful as they could be. If I wanted to, in my like crappy one-bedroom apartment, start brewing my own beer, could I do that? Should I do that? You should do that. I should yeah. do that. I can do that. Wait, is she a jerk for doing that? I mean, I understand that <laughs> it attracts mice and rodents and so on, and I'm her neighbor, and I don't get to drink the beer. Am I? Like, well, how is this good for me? I assure you I'm a bad neighbor for plenty of reasons, not just that. Not just that <laughs> and I that already I'm hate her, here. clearly. <laughs> Are you saying it attracts mice because we have a brewery cat in here that's You do have a brewery mice? cat in here, but I, I, I'm yeah. just saying, I, the word is. It's like cooking. It's like cooking. You get like a big kettle, you're pouring stuff in it, you're cooking, like heating it up. And then, yeah, it's, you know, you're not a jerk if you homebrew. Um, and in fact, if it's the best way to probably get yourself an entry into if you want to become a brewer one day. So 
home brewing is the reason why we have a modern craft beer industry now. Home brewing wasn't legal until 1978. So you can thank President Carter for signing that, and he is oh. responsible for our Woo! modern our modern craft beer industry. Because you know, as I keep using the word craft, craft brewing is a skill that is passed down for hundreds to maybe thousands of years. Brewing was something that you would get passed down through apprenticeships. When prohibition happened, basically all of that knowledge and skill got wiped out. So in order to build that knowledge base and that expertise back up, you needed home brewing, people who are just playing around in their kitchens. And that's what essentially led to people then creating businesses of brewing. So thank can, you, Carter. Yeah, yeah. thanks, can, Carter. Can I back this up a bit? Because, sure. And I, I'll ask a question. I think the answer will probably be obvious to you. But in all, all that you're saying, the assumption here is that having craft beer is good. That, that it is good to have lots of people brewing lots of beer mm -hmm. and that patronizing small local craft breweries is a good thing. What's the moral, aesthetic, ethical case sure. for that? Yeah. Uh, if I could get a beer of equally good taste that was made by some massive multinational company, um, or, can, or can you? Can you? Sounds like fighting well, words. <laughs> so, the, so, so is that the case? It's a taste case. It's, well, I think there's like two different things that we're talking about. One is crafting something is part technical skill and it's part art and creativity. Mm -hmm. So when people are brewing craft beer at a smaller scale, they are doing something technically proficient, but they're also adding their own thing to it, right? They're deciding like what ingredients to use, how to use them, what style they're trying to get, what label to put on it, like how to make it interesting. When you have something like Budweiser, no dig on Budweiser, actually like we should give them Budweiser some props. They did something pretty amazing, which is they figured out how to make every single beer that you taste, taste exactly the same, which is not something that anyone was really able to do ever. That's like, a technical proficiency and efficiency that is outrageous, but maybe that's not what you want out of life all the time. And so one part is the taste. And then the other part is, I think local breweries are like third places. Like you guys are all here today, right? You could be, you could be lots of places. <laughs> Yay. There's lots of places that you could be. There's lots of places you could hang out. Like, so there can become like little centers of community and each craft brewery has a different sense of itself, has a different culture. A lot of them work with artists or have concerts or, you know, have makers markets. And that's really part of like the fabric of our neighborhoods. So this is uh, just an extension of crafting that, uh, just as I could buy a beautiful gold ring that somebody made in a factory a long way away, or I could buy a ring that somebody made by hand here, right. that there is something nicer about doing the, the latter. Right, exactly. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in D.C. 
The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Kim, what's your favorite part about the subculture, sure. particularly in D.C.? I just really like that it's community. You know, I think that we need more places where people can go, where they feel like they can be parts of and have fun and just, you know, they're going to be welcome. So, yeah. Can I back this up to the, like, is yeah. the definition of craft beer just the volume that you're producing? Yeah. If, well, the, if we're going to take the National Brewers Association mm-hmm. number, it's under 6 million barrels per year. That's a lot of beer and independently owned. So I think that's an important part of it too. So you mentioned that that DC has the largest percentage of black owned breweries. Yes. Uh, That I suspect is a thing that is different in the scene in Washington than in other big cities. Yeah. And that has really evolved over the last few years. And we have three solid contract brands that are they don't have their own brick and mortar, but they're definitely brewing around the city and distributing across the city and very popular and make really interesting, different tasting beer, I think, than what we've seen in the city before. You know, you mentioned that time when smaller beer labels were popping up and you can get stuff like Sierra Nevada. I remember when I was in college going to a party and somebody had a keg of Yingling, which I had never heard of. And I assumed it was this like, very fancy, you know, yeah. imported beer. <laughs> Come to find out it's brewed, it was like brewed in Pennsylvania. I thought this yeah. that whole time, I was like, wow, this person really went all out for the keg. I didn't know right? what I was doing. But I remember that like yeah. those days when like Yingling is like amazing. And I think it's because, you know, you didn't really get to taste s- small. I mean, in, in the scheme of things at that time, it was a smaller brand, right? And I wonder if that's something that People who are into craft beer get to experience all the time that excitement of something new, something maybe they made, something that's made right in their community, right in their neighborhood. It is an interest. It's like a fun way to experience something. Yeah, and it's exploration of tastes and culture, right? Like a community again. You're going. Or remade. Like we've got this can of Senate beer in front of us. And that's an amazing story. Yeah, that's my, I mean, I'm biased, but that's one of my favorite stories. So Senate beer is one of Christian Hyrick's original brands of beer. Christian Hyrick being the longest running brewer in DC. He brewed from 1872 to 19, 
in, until he died in 1945. And then his brewery went on until 1956. So that's like an 83-year span. He lived to be 103. Wow. So that's how that happened. Um, <laughs> one of his claims to fame is that he is, quote unquote, afraid of fire. But really, it's that he was pretty smart about technology. And so he built... But how did he die? Just old age. Okay, no, no fire. <laughs> um, so he built his house and his brewery to be, quote unquote, fireproof or as fireproof as you could at the time. The funny thing is that the only building that wasn't fireproof was the archive at the brewery. So everything burned up in the 30s and we don't have any recipes. We don't have a lot of documentation about how they made the beer. But we have friends who are beer historians or historians who love beer and love beer history Pete Jones um, is a historian. He went to the National Archives and he found hundreds of pages of laboratory reports talking about the recipe for Senate beer. Magic. So I was like, I don't know what to do with this. This is like the best documentation we're ever going to have, I think. And I, it just occurred to me in the middle of the night, I think we need scientists. We need to make this to be, yay science. We need to make this the most, you know, accurate as historically, scientifically as possible. So I contacted the Oregon State University Fermentation Science Department, <laughs> which is run by a Fulbright Scholar hop scientist. And he immediately wrote me back, I'm in. And so they took the, the documentation. They also have hops historians there and archivists. And they were able to pull out a recipe and brew a test batch, which they sent over to us. So we decided we'll, we'll try it out at right proper, but only if we can like figure out a way to get rid of it. So we <laughs> made a deal with Nats Park to sell it there. And that was, I think, in February of 2020 that it got brewed. And so February of 2020, March oh, 2020. No. And the park never opened. And so we're like, we're gonna, it's going to open, it's going to open. And then it never opened. Um, so we just sold it out of the museum and online. And as Thor always says, we broke the internet. So I think people love this beer because it's so historically accurate and because it's a piece of DC history. It really is like a thing that people across the city knew about. It was a household name in Washington, DC. It's not just beer, it's history, right. it's science. It's, it's community. There's, there's, there's so yeah. much there beyond just the lovely thing that you're drinking. Right. But, but also the name is so old school. Like, yeah. the, you know, nowadays, uh, craft beers all have cool names. Uh, you know, like as a, as a child of the 80s, I'm here in the, the, the company that made uh, Dance of Days. It really pleases me. Um, <laughs> nobody, I would submit, nobody would ever want to name something after the Senate today. But back in the day, it's so uh, it uncool that it's cool. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the can design is the brief we gave the designer was pretend that Senate beer never stopped being brewed because we have like 80 years of Senate labels. So he just took that kind of skipped over the gap. And this is his modern interpretation of the historic label, which I also think is very cool. It's cool. So this is kind of a personal question. How many folks in the room consider themselves like beer brewers, beer people, like you're into beer, you're in a brewery and you're really excited about it? Okay. Cool. This is a good audience for this question. Okay. I'm not a huge beer person. I noticed that a few years ago, we were going through this thing where every beer was like 
hops in your face, hop, punch you over the head, like so happy. What, did anyone else see this? Am I, am I like way off base? What was going on with that? And are we still in that era? Because it was very happy for me. And it was a little, it was a lot. It's like too much hop It's too much hops. I mean, different, you go through different styles. Things change. People get into stuff. I think we're in a lager era right now, personally, what you're drinking. And it's delicious. Yeah, craft lager. There's really awesome styles. Like each brewery in D.C. is really good at at many different styles. So you should have a, a wider selection, I think, to choose from, hopefully, if you're not into the hoppy. I'm not anti-hops. It was just getting a little much. Like out of control. And also the, the names of the beer would suggest an experience with the hops that was perhaps more intense than I was looking for, like, yeah. on a Saturday afternoon. You're looking for a chill beer Yeah, experience. not looking for an explosion, yeah. a hops explosion, perhaps. I understand. <laughs> kind of speaking of that, I mean, so... One of the fun things that we wanted to do was kind of a rapid fire thing where we will say types of beer and you will tell us your favorite DC version of that beer. Are you game for this? So I came prepared for this okay. and I actually have a list <laughs> because I don't want to mess this one up because it's very important. Okay. So yeah, go. let's do this. Okay. Lager. Okay. So as I said, craft lager is the thing. There are two really amazing black lagers that I love, which means that the uh, malt is roasted that are grave shift from Lost Generations. The Lost Generations is one of the newest breweries in, yeah, on the MBT right here. <laughs> um, Rhythm and Beauty by Soul Mega. Have any of you guys had that? That's amazing. And then, of course, I cannot not say Senate Beer, which is a partnership with the Hyrick House Museum and Wright Proper. Those are my favorite lagers in the city right now. IPA. Okay. I know. And you know what's funny is I have four of those because there's so many there's IPAs. There's so many IPAs. And I, I have to say, like, my beer director at the Hyrick House helped me with this because that's his favorite style. And again, I am also, I'm more of a lager okay. fan. We're on the same, like, yeah, beer wave. Yeah, we are like. on the same beer wave. Um, so other half. I love, I want to hear, like, fandom. Per Ooh, yeah. Region. We got to ask um, the audience their favorite beers. Yeah. Other half, Vaporings. Red Bear, yeah, Descent, Blue Jacket, yeah, <laughs> Lazy Jane, and Valor, which is a brew pub. If you guys haven't been to a brew pub in Barracksrow, is Purple Heart. Ooh. Okay, got some fans out there. Yeah. What about Pilsners? Pilsners. Well, again, four. <laughs> You've like really done your homework. We prepared here. for this because <laughs> I think it's really it's interesting that different breweries really do have like different styles that they're the best at, and so we wanted to make sure we really highlighted that. So Dynasty, which is right over in Virginia, is El Supremo, which is a really amazing pilsner. DC Brow Brow Pills, Oldie, Caboose Vienna Lager, they're also in Virginia, and Crooked Run, which just moved into DC. Coast. Coast. Gotta try some of these. Yeah. Okay, now for my favorite. Yeah. Sours. Yeah. I love a sour beer. So two excellent recommendations for you. City State Pineapple and Blood Orange. Oh, I've had it. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and then Aslan, which also just moved into D.C., Volcano Sauce. Oh, we have some fans. <laughs> yep, those are my two. Porters. I'm substituting for porters. <laughs> uh, there's actually like a group of beers in DC that I'm not sure how to necessarily 
classify them because, I mean, there's, there's like a blonde ale and there's like golden ale in there. But these are beers that have been brewed with interesting flavors that I thought would be way more interesting than porter, which, yeah. Porter is just harder to find. We're getting We like, love porter, but porter is a little bit more rare around here. So <laughs> getting <laughs> like critiqued on our, our <laughs> list of beers. Okay, give it to us. Okay. So all three of these are Black-owned contract mm-hmm. beer brands in D.C., which is um, Camelisle by Urban Garden, which is a blonde ale with chamomile added to it. People love this. Ooh. I feel like... If you like sours and like interesting flavors, these are good ones, especially the next one, which is Hypebiscus, which is a hibiscus pale ale by Sankofa. Hypebiscus? Mm-hmm. Love that. Love a pun. And then Zynga beer, which is by Black Viking, and it's ginger and honey golden ale. Ooh. Yeah. These all sound incredible. They're very good beers, yeah. Last but not least, stouts. So I have one stout for you. <laughs> um Atlas Brews Silent Neighbor, which just won awards, national awards. So give it up for Atlas. And that would be like, I think people should go go try that one. It's a good one. I, yeah. I Now that I'm hearing all of the like audience support of the beers, <laughs> what, uh, of the ones that she's named, how many of y'all have tried some of them, all of them, most of them? I know we're in a room full of beer people, but for folks listening at home who maybe consider themselves aspiring beer people, what advice would you have for them to really get into the scene and learn about it? I think sort of going back to what I said about if you're not really into, you don't know what kind of beer that you like, thinking about what sort of tastes that you like and experimenting with those tastes. Um, or just, you know, like look at the different breweries around D.C. and see what interesting events or things that they're doing and then go to them and then hang out. And I'm sure the, anyone at the tap room or bartender would be happy to talk to you and teach you everything that you'd want to know about the beer. Great advice. Yeah. Kim, thank you so much for being here today. I feel like I've learned a lot about beer and the Senate beer, as I said, oh, yeah, you're is just- delicious. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. And that's all today for CityCast DC. If you've enjoyed the show, share it with your beer-loving friends and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey DC, for more beer tips and recs. Also, we're doing a listener survey right now aimed at making the podcast a better experience for you, the listeners. It's super short, I promise. Check it out at citycast.fm slash survey. Please do it. citycast.fm slash survey. So I'm, do- I'm doing the outro. Oh, God. Reading in front of a live audience is like a nightmare. Okay. You're going to do it. You're going to be good.